If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 390. I believe that I was called to shift from being an executive pastor to a pastor to executives. And part of this book is about how do I help executives become better and and care for their life holistically, not just their leadership duties. Leaders who are able to build a better future are desperately needed in our world today. We need more leaders worth following, in other words. Are you ready to become the kind of leader who draws people together, brings out their personal best, and creates truly rare results? Hi, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. My name is Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, that intentional and consistent reading is a must. Part of my job is to narrow your reading list and then present the key insights and main ideas from the books we dive into here on the show each and every week. Today, we're joined by my friend Chris McClure, author of a new book called The Magnetic Leader, 18 Essential Actions of Leaders People Love to Follow. And I plan on asking Chris to share about how even less than ideal leaders from our past have something to teach us, the importance as leaders of sharing everything we know. We'll dig into some of the essential actions Chris talks about in the book and lots more. If you think you might be looking to bring personal and professional development training to your team, whether in person or virtually, I would love to talk to you. I have begun to make ample space available in my calendar for half-day and full-day workshop trainings, and I'm taking on just a handful of clients for the purposes of facilitating and leading monthly company book clubs. If either or both of those scenarios appeals to you, whether it's a half or full day personal and professional development workshop or spearheading your company's very own book club or both, I encourage you to start a conversation today. You can email me contact at readtoleadbook.com. That's contact at readtoleadbook.com. Chris McClure is an executive leadership coach and author who helps entrepreneurs and executives become leaders people love to follow so they can attract quality team members and keep them engaged. I used to work for a leader who I loved to follow. More about that later. Uh, Chris is also the founder of Lead Life Big LLC, a transformational leadership coaching and training company. And Chris has a relatively new book, just came out a few months ago, back in April, called The Magnetic Leader, 18 Essential Actions of Leaders People Love to Follow. I've known Chris for about three years, I think, since Igniting Souls 2018, if I'm not mistaken, and I am excited to have him here today. Chris, welcome officially, uh, better late than never, to the Read to Lead podcast. Well, Jeff, thanks so much. I, I've been an avid listener and I tell people this is a great podcast, but you better be ready to start ordering some books and building the budget around your books because there's so many great <laughs> authors that have been on here. So I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, that, that's the biggest complaint I get from listeners. If you, you know, I, I put complaint in air quotes because uh, right. you know when they, they complain about spending money on books, I think they, they, they really enjoy that actually if they're being Oh, honest. absolutely. I know I do. Uh, when I was first opening your book, uh, there, there's a section called Note 
to reader and editor's note. There's a foreword. There's an introduction. And none of them like, you know, more than a few pages. It's I'm not suggesting that it goes on forever until you get to the mm-hmm. first chapter. That's not what I mean at all. Uh, I just mean there's these very much uh, attention to detail here with making sure the reader is prepared once they launch into the book. And, and one of the interesting things that I noted when I first opened it, uh, and it sort of challenged me right out of the gate, was thinking back to a leader I had, a leader that actually was the person who prompted me to move to another city because I disliked working for them so much. But I never really gave any thought to having learned anything from that person. Chris says that even the less than ideal leader, I'll put it that way, yeah. uh, that you've worked for in the past all had something to teach you and you're actually grateful for them. Can, can you kind of expound on that? Absolutely. You know, it's, and it is, it's, it's something I had to reflect on years later in a lot of ways, right? Because when you're in those situations, you feel like I just want to get out of that situation. I want to get away from them and find somebody better to follow. But as I was a young adult, you know, right out of college where I really started to dive into my own reading habits and journey to, to learn and grow as a leader, mm. I started to notice the gaps, you know, in, in leaders that I was under. And, and don't get me wrong, I've had a lot of great leaders around me, but there's just a couple that, and even one that was a, gr- a good leader, but at some tough situations that made it hard for me mm. was I just, I realized, you know, they're, they're reflecting on those things and what I don't want to be is sometimes as important as, you know, what I do want to be. And so for me, it was looking at things in a holistic manner where it's not just about all the great qualities that people that are the kind of rock star leaders have, but also everybody's got a chink in their armor in some way, shape or form. And so how can I learn from the ones who had those gaps uh, that that seem to stick out more and make people want to leave that can really uh, be something I can learn from and, and maybe avoid the pitfalls. I've been a, I've been somebody who I've always said, I want to learn from other people's mistakes, not my own. I don't, I'm not the kind of guy that, that has to learn the hard way of my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to be very observant and watch that. And so those, those lessons were just as valuable, I think, maybe even more valuable sometimes than the ones that, that are the solid characteristics. And then another thing that it made me think about was uh, with regard to this leader that that I had to get away from. There are things that I learned, you know, how not to do, as you as you said. He's also responsible in many ways for me being where I'm at today. And when I, when I say where I'm at today, I mean literally where I live and and the fact that I you know I, that I met my wife and and so there are many things I can I can thank him for if I'm being completely honest about sure. it. Sure. Um, you're also quick to point out that this is not just a, a business book. Who else might benefit from from digging into what you've written here? Yeah. So for me, you know, I, I look at this in a very holistic life approach. You know, leadership is a component of life. It's not, you know, we tend to compartmentalize so much. And for myself, at least, you know, I'm a I'm a youth sports coach. You know, I yeah. I'm a dad. I'm I'm a husband. Um, I'm on our chamber of commerce board. I I serve in many different roles and capacities, both, both you know with my clients, but also with volunteer opportunities. And so, mm. you know, I think that there are a lot of uh, adults who are investing in, in our in our young people, our kids through coaching. And and you know, my wife's a middle school teacher. And what does a teacher have that influence to be a leader in the classroom and to their to their building uh, leaders as well as their peers? And so, it's really more of a holistic approach like that, as well as my background. You know, being a pastor before I ever started my business, you know, it, this is, there's, you know, church leadership and any volunteer organization for that matter, nonprofit leadership can be challenging because you're dealing with mostly volunteers 
that aren't getting a paycheck. So you have to become a different kind of leader or a better leader mm. that they want to truly follow and, and that attracts the kind of people that you need for your organization. So mm. you know, once again, it's, I think it's great for business leaders who are in the trenches every day in their businesses, but it's, it's broader than that because I think our world is just desperately in need of quality leaders, Jeff. Having worked in the nonprofit world for a number of years, I know all about motivating people who aren't being paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. know what you mean it's there. It's tough. It's tough. I don't recall if we talked about this, uh, your background specifically when we uh, met three and a half years ago or three mm-hmm. years ago. When I was reading your book, I was like, oh, Chris used to be a pastor and for 20 years. So, so that sort of begs the question for me, at least. The transition, like talk a bit about making that transition from being in that space for so long and then moving into being your own boss and starting this executive leadership coaching business. Yeah. And it's been a journey. You know, it's it's not something I anticipate. It's not something I planned for. I went to college to, to become a youth pastor and I did that for about 13 years and I transitioned mm-hmm. to more of an associate and executive pastor role where I was you know, responsible for the operations and leading, you know, our church staff and, and uh, executing vision and, and mission components of what our churches uh, were, were a part of at the time. Mm. But all through those years, I, I understood leadership was so important. And, and probably the, my biggest mentor from a distance has been John Maxwell, as, as many people mm. could probably claim. Uh, but, you know, for him to say that everything rises and falls on leadership and, and his, his uh, components of leadership that he's taught for for decades now stuck with me early on. And it made me mm. realize that no matter where I am, whether it's in a church setting, a, you know, a volunteer setting in my own or a business setting, leadership was critical. And so for me, the transition to my business came because of a leadership crisis that I found myself caught in the middle of. Mm. And it made me start to really question like, is this what I want to be doing long-term? But also, I also started hearing more and more of my friends and and even our church members talking about the their frustration of the leadership in their own businesses that they were having to deal with. And so I realized that this journey of growth and leadership specifically for all these dec you know, for well, you know, two decades at that time was maybe I have an opportunity to help the business community and maybe I have an opportunity to help these people that are struggling and help leaders become better so that their followers don't have those same complaints. They don't have those same issues that they do. And so it's definitely been a transition to your point. You know, it's, it's not been easy because that's not the world I ever planned to step into. Um, mm-hmm. But I tell people for me, um, I believe that I was called to shift from being an executive pastor to a pastor to executives. And <laughs> part of this book is about how do I help executives become better and, and care for their life holistically, not just their leadership duties. Mm. We're going to move from the a note to a reader section. <laughs> that's where that's where my first three questions. That's the from. stuff that people mostly don't read, you know, and a lot of times. And I do encourage people to not skip that over because it does, like you said, sets the table for the rest. Now on to the introduction. We don't even got to the meat of yeah. the book yet, but uh, I had a couple of questions from from that section too. unpack this sentiment for me, if you would. Uh, and I'm quoting Chris here. The older I become, the more I realize how how much more I have to learn. In fact, I envision myself at the end of my life reading books and learning from others even more intentionally than I do today. Yeah, you know, it's it's that whole thing that, you know, when we're young, we think we know everything. And then when we get into our 20s, you know, and 30s, we're trying to prove ourselves and make a name for ourselves. And as we go farther along in life, we realize that a lot of times people haven't been paying attention to us in the first place, or they've been so worried about themselves too in this this journey, right? But for me, it's been 
I know that new seasons require new levels of leadership. They require new um, levels of, of character to be the kind of leader that, that people will find worthy of following. And so for me, it's been, you know, it's, it's just vision of, I, I said to people, you know, it's like people will dread getting old, you know, and I'm like, no, I want to be that old guy, the kind of that sage that has something to give back to younger generations so that they can be better earlier. I mean, I have three kids, you know, Jeff, that are mm. right now, 15, 13, 11. And, and I feel like much of my journey, it's been, it's been for me in a lot of ways, but it's also been for them and for, for those mm. that are following. Right. So that's why I want to keep growing. There, there's certain things that I could say, I guess I've arrived at in success at certain levels, but but I never feel like I've arrived, right? I feel like mm. I the destination is isn't going to end until the day I die, and and that's why I want to be growing because I want to be valuable as long as I can. Mm. Gosh, in less than two years, you're going to have three teenagers in your household at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. That's we're, we're having that conversation. Like, oh, <laughs> I love it. Well, when I think of past leaders, and many of them that I've worked with and for have been have been great. I I, I think of some too, though who, if I think back on it, seem to want to hold on to all their knowledge, to just keep everything close to the vest, almost afraid to allow the other people around them to grow and to be as smart as they are, quote unquote. What do magnetic leaders do, though, instead? Yeah, I think I think two key things. One is modeling, going first and, and demonstrating the skills, the abilities, the character that's required to, to be at that level. The other is simply passing it along. You know, I, I look at it as when I when I learn something. I so many times, Jeff, as I'm reading books, as uh, as I read articles, whatever I'm kind of coming across in my own growth, I always kind of have this tapering in my mind of saying, "Who else needs to hear this, or read this, or understand this?" I don't want to be a dam that it stops with. I want to be a, a reservoir, or a channel that continues. You know, that mm. I want to pass it along and pay it forward because th- that's how I'm where I am today. Right? I've had leaders in my life who. I mentioned even in the book that have passed it along to me, that have paid it for, that have helped me learn to to really lead and, and to invest in myself. And and that's why I even love this podcast being called Read to Lead, because you know, I remember as a young adult, you know, some of my key leaders in my life in those early years especially were saying, you know, leaders are readers and you need to mm-hmm. continue to invest in yourself and grow. And the the first leader that I really felt like I don't want to be like him told me you need to quit reading so much because you're frustrated. Oh wow. And I'm going, no, I I have a. I'm raising my bar. I'm raising the bar for all of us, and I want to. I want us to all get there. It wasn't just about me, mm. and that was one of those stinging comments. But it was also the tipping point of saying, you know what, he's not the right leader for me to continue to follow long term. And and mm. it wasn't much longer until I did, you know, move on. But a lot of it is just that it's it's passing it along. You know, it's it's not just to hoard it. It's not to keep it to myself. And and uh, and I think a lot of people they fear like if I if I empower or train or equip other people beyond me, then I'm not valuable. But the opposite is actually true. Mm. You when you when you do share, when you do pass it along, you become invaluable because you're multiplying those leaders that are following you. So that's that's where the heart of that I believe is a magnetic leader is somebody that people know that they're going to invest in me. I'm going to learn from them. I may not be with them forever, but they're going to help me get to different levels in my own life and leadership. And I will be successful because they care enough to pass it along and help me. Yeah. Just for the record, saying something like you need to stop reading around here is like sacrilegious. I know for real, right? (laughs) We don't know what that means at all. No, that's like, I I just, it blew my mind when I literally sat across the table and heard that come out of somebody's mouth. 
Well, let's actually dig into some of the essential actions that Chris talks about in the book. Uh, the first one is about meeting needs. Uh, what steps, Chris, are necessary to meeting the needs of others strategically? And I love the word you use here, intentionally. Well, a lot of it starts with, I even go into it in this chapter about the word meeting itself. It makes a lot of leaders bristle because we're in so many <laughs> meetings, it, just volume-wise sometimes, but many times we feel like it could have been an email instead of a meeting, mm-hmm. right? And and so I, I kind of address that, you know, kind of head on in this in this chapter. But the bottom line is if we don't meet with our people to really discern their needs, then we aren't going to be able to ultimately do the other things of securing resources. To, to help them with those needs and then taking action to, to fulfill those needs. And, and those are really kind of the three steps I talk about is, you know, meet with people to discern, secure resources to match needs, and then take action to fulfill those needs. Because if you do those things and you're mindful of that, intentional with that, then people really do start to know that you care about them and that you're, you're, you're a resource to them. And many times leaders have access to resources and, and people, whether, you know, or books or uh, opportunities that followers can't uh, have access to on their own. And so mm-hmm. that's why I think it's so critical to meet needs. And it, it just sets the tone for a, a good relationship with your followers when they, they know that you're you're listening, you, you're using your uh, position or your role and your opportunities, your authority to help them and and to really take action, not just, not just saying that I'll, I want to help you, but they actually do. One of the things I like about... Uh, the chapter titles and or, or more specifically the essential actions that you call out is when we hear these phrases, I think it's fair to say that oftentimes the context of leadership is not what we think of first. When I hear the phrase meets needs, you know, leadership isn't for most of us the first thing that comes to mind. When I read loves people, yeah. you know, leadership often is not the first thing that comes to mind. So I love the dichotomy here. Um, another essential action of a magnetic leader, Chris says, is giving generously. In, in what ways can and should a leader live this idea out? Yeah, I think you know a lot of it comes back to once again these are real life examples. I often share you know at the beginning of each of these uh, chapters as well. And and there was an older gentleman years ago that I was brought into his his organization, and he was a very successful retired businessman in the Atlanta area, and. He was so generous. And I just remember telling my wife, I want to be like him someday. Mm. And I started to really re- reflect on that. And what was it that that he did? And and he first of all, he acknowledged what he couldn't do. He was very self-aware of the, th- the his skill set. Mm. He was an entrepreneur. He could start things. He could get things going. But he wasn't the one to maintain it and to keep going. And so he was very aware of himself. But But the generosity component that I saw was, you know, he looked at his own resources. You know, so I asked, I asked three questions. What do I have? What is the need and how can I help? Hmm. And that's where I felt like he, his name was Don, and he was a generous guy because he looked at what he already had at his disposal. He looked at the needs around him and he he asked himself, how can I help in this situation based on those two questions? And I believe that leaders can model that and, and ultimately do that. And, and that's part of even the meeting needs, you know, essential action. It kind of ties back together there a little bit, right? Is if I have resources available to me, then I can give generously to those who I'm leading, no matter what that means, once I know what they are. And so there's an interconnectedness there for for giving generously and meeting those needs that that are that are at play mm. at all times. I think. Well, let's talk about this nobility notion of essential action. Uh, it's essential action number four. Uh, that's a word that we don't hear a lot these days. What what does it mean to demonstrate 
nobility in the context of leadership. This book is very character-based and oriented in so many ways. I mean, that's that's the heart behind so much of it. But nobility is a word we don't use. And and I know for me, when I when I heard and I share this in the in the book as well, that the word nobility makes me think of like the medieval times, right? Of knights <laughs> and uh, kings and queens and you know damsels in distress and all the fairy tale <laughs> stuff that we've watched and read about over the years. And and so. But when it, when you really get to the heart of it, it's it's about having you know having that noble uh, desire to to care for or help other people. It's it's about putting others first and 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 wanting to serve their needs and help them as much as possible. And you know, I, I talk here about it's about a, a aspiring to greatness. Mm. That it's it's I want to be the best I can be where I am with what I have, and and really knowing that perfection isn't the you know reality that i'm going to have but i can be the i can be the best i I can be with the resource i have at any given time but once again it's about also excelling in character you know who you are is is who you attract is is actually the law of magnetism in john maxwell's 21 laws leadership book that that really stuck with me years ago Mm. was when you are a noble person when you pursue noble causes then you're going to attract others who have the same heart the same character and that want to do the same things and so Mm. i just think it's invaluable there and then you know just it's about doing what's right some of the toughest things in leadership are, are just doing the right things when when the the wrong thing or or just a, a shade off, you know, could be tempting to do just to kind of mm. cover yourself, cover your organization, and sometimes you have to to just really bite that bullet and just say, you know what, I've got to I've got to do the right thing, even though it may hurt right now. Mm. But when you do that, I believe you you end up having the quality of nobility being played out in your life. You mentioned perfectionism a moment ago. Um, excellence and perfectionism, I think, are two words that people seem to often conflate uh, these days. How, how does a magnetic leader, Chris, pursue excellence while avoiding perfection at the same time? Well, well, the first thing is you have to re- reject perfectionism and, and re- reject the notion of it. Because yeah. what I have seen too often is great people who have great, great things to offer and share uh, with their followers or with their audience they get hung up in perfectionism and they never really launch. You know, it, it's this idea that until it's perfect, we're not going to do anything. And and, and as a young leader under uh, various boards and, and uh, older and more experienced leaders that I followed, I would often watch our organizations get paralyzed in this where until somebody felt like they had all the answers mm. until they, they knew the outcome in their mind, they wouldn't pull the trigger to take action. And what I discovered was if you don't reject that idea of perfectionism, opportunities tend to diminish or they, they, you lose them, you know, or, or potential just simply stays potential. It doesn't ever become realized. (laughs) Right. And that's what's, that's what really uh, made me want to really share about this is because we had to reject that perfectionism, but we also still need to demand quality. We can't say that we want to put out a, a poor quality product or service, we still need to demand quality of ourselves and demand quality of our organizations, our people, and then pursue improvement where we're constantly, you know, tweaking and adjusting to make it better. And and even in the book I talk about, yeah, there's certain industries where quality standards have to be higher right out of the gate than others. You know, there's there's a difference between Google beta testing certain things versus Chevrolet putting out a car on the road that is, oh, let's just try it. You know, like they have, (laughs) there's life and death scenarios at play here, right? Versus, okay, let's, let's try this app and see if it's Mm. helpful and works and let's work out the bugs as we go. You know, different industries, different situations require different levels of of quality uh, assurance and standards for sure. But, you know, one of the things that I know, you know, in the chapter two is out new and improved has been a marketing tactic for years 
in all sorts of uh, products that we see on the shelves, right? And and it's because companies realize that even if it's been a good solid product, there's always a way to make it better, to make it more, you know, ex- excellent today. Excellence today is is much better than what excellence was yesterday many times. Mm-hmm. But an excellence tomorrow is going to look different and it may not be big leaps and jumps. It's going to be, you know, small adjustments here and there many times to make it just a little bit better. And it's that kind of that 1% better every day as a leader. How am I going to be excellent today compared to yesterday? And competing with ourselves really about how am I going to grow? How am I going to mature and and lead my people in a way that takes them to where I need to take them as well as develop them in the way that's going to be best for them and our organization. Mm, good stuff, Chris. Uh, we've talked about now four of the first five uh, essential actions. There are 14 other essential actions that Chris talks about in the book. Before I move on to some questions not uh, related to the book per se, anything else from those other 14 uh, that you want to make sure we walk away with today? Well, well, you had mentioned even just a few minutes ago, just that one of my essential actions in this is loving people. Mm -hmm. And and that's essential action number nine. And I was asked actually at my book launch party, and I've talked to some others about, are one of these your favorite? Mm. And you know, it's kind of like when you write a book, everything, you know, is kind of your favorite in a sense, because you invest the time and, and energy into it. But what I realized as I thought about that question a little bit more, Jeff, is that if you don't love people, if you don't care about people, then you probably aren't going to do a lot of these other essential actions. Mm. And there's 18 essential actions. They're not, they're, they're not order of importance. But but number nine, loving people is so vital. And I even talk about, yeah, we get we get this whole notion of loving people confused in our society many times. And and I'm talking about this unconditional care and concern for your followers, you know, that it's, mm. you want the best for them, right? It's not yeah. about this um, uh, love like a husband and wife or, you know, might have for their order to your kids. It's, I care about you. Right. I care about you as a human being. I want the best for you. And because of that, I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to give generously. I'm going to demonstrate. And all these things I talk about really, I think, spin off of caring for people in the first place. Because if you don't, then honestly, these other things kind of feel like a nuisance, you know, like, why would I do those things if I don't care about the people I'm leading in? And I think that's where I look at, you know, we're, we're in this, you know, as we're recording this, we're watching Cuba, you know, right now dealing with, you know, this dictatorship challenge that they're dealing with is uprising as a nation. And, and, and I'm watching other global issues in, in our world over the last several years. And, and I just think so many leaders get power hungry and they're, and they're trying to gain personal power so much that they forget about the the people under their charge. And I believe that the magnetic leader is a person who who cares about people enough to serve, to sacrifice, to develop, to do all these things, right? To do all these essential actions in order to help the situation be the best, whether it be your work environment, whether it be your community, whether it be your you know, city, state, nation, whatever it may be, so that the world can be a better place and we can really overcome a lot of these challenges societally that we've been, we've been watching and and struggling with for quite some time now. Mm. As, as you listen to this, there is one advantage I have that you do not. And and that is that I can see Chris and I can see that behind him is a (laughs) plethora of books. So I want to ask you, Chris, how has the habit of reading consistently and with intention impacted your life and career? Absolutely. Well, it, it was it really started as a young adult. You know, my parents now laugh that I'm an author because they couldn't get me to read a book as a kid. You know, like <laughs> there was there was nothing they could do. And, and I remember just refusing to read, you know, during my sometimes of classes that I had as a, as a child. But I remember 
somebody handed me a book when I was 19. It was actually John Maxwell's Becoming a Person of Influence. Mm. And I was an intern and they handed me this book as a, as a Christmas gift and a kind of a parting gift before I went back to my college uh, classes. And I read this book and I realized that there is the book, the boring books that I thought I had to read because of school or all the things I didn't want to read over the years. I'm like, oh, there's actually these books out there that that can make me better. And that's kind of where I got hooked. And basically from that point on, I just devoured, especially leadership books, personal development books. And and so for me, it, it is a habit. It's 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 basically for me, it's about like breathing. You know, I just do it. I'm, you know, I've got behind, right behind, I have all these books on my bookshelves, but I also have a stack of books probably, you know, eight, 10 inches high on my desk here that I'm <laughs> constantly, you know, reading through. And and uh, my kids are like, oh my gosh, dad, you're reading something all the time. And, mm. but it's that whole idea, right? For me, it's, I've realized that my 25 years now and growing of personal investment in myself, I've, I've become in many ways a walking resource for a lot of people that I, mm. that I coach and train. And, and so right. many people aren't readers, right? And, and, and I'm glad your new book is coming out to help, you know, yeah. help hopefully kind of prompt that and, and stir that in people because I think people are missing out when they don't. And for me, it's been my journey, my career path, my business, all this is based on my investment in myself primarily through books. I, you know, I love listening to podcasts. I love going to conferences. I love, you know, reading articles, but books have really been the heart behind my growth. And and to be able to say, this is the topic I need to grow in most right now. And I kind of have in the last couple of years defined a, a, um, a topic that I need to grow in more. And I'll just kind of double down on that and really dig into some good books that, that are, that are out there to help me with that. And then I kind of, you know, once I feel like I'm in a good place there that I think about, okay, what's the next area that I really need to grow in? And so I'm very intentional about, about that. I don't, I don't typically read randomly. It's, mm-hmm. it's based on my need at the moment. And, and it's been huge for me, you know, for personal growth, leadership, my spiritual development as, as a follower of Christ, as a, mm-hmm. as a believer, all aspects of my life, even as a husband and father, it's been huge. You know, our, our backgrounds uh, in that regard mirror each each other pretty similar. I did not like reading in school because, as you said, it was always reading things that I didn't want to read. I did have someone come to me around the same age. I think I might have been a little older than you, maybe 21, who presented to me Zig Ziglar's Secrets to Closing the Sale. I was thinking about getting in sales at the time. And Ogmandino's, I think, greatest salesman that ever lived or greatest salesman in the world or something like that. And it didn't take. I, I lacked the maturity you had because I didn't get it, put it aside, didn't finish them. And it was another 10 years. I was in my early 30s before oh, wow. an opportunity like that came along again. And this time the student was ready. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that's a big part of it. <laughs> I wish I could do that over, like do my whole 20s all over again and, and, and be reading even, even sooner of these kinds of these kinds of books. Well, you mentioned the John Maxwell book. Any other books jump out at you as ones that have had a huge impact on you over the years? Yeah, I think, well, and even another John Maxwell book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership was probably, you know, beyond the the other one was was the one that really set the framework for me to really implement in my life. But a, a more recent one over the last few years, as I started my own business, that, that's paired up my faith and my business together is Anointed for Business by Ed Silvoso. Ed, Ed's a, a man from Argentina that has just been leading transformational movements to help the, the, the marketplace for many, many years, uh, both in a business as well as a spiritual you know, dynamic. Jeff, you, you talked about my transition earlier. Mm. That was one of my hardest transitions was how do I take this reality that I've been a pastor for two decades and move into the business world? And do I talk about that much? Do I, do I, mm. how does that play together or not? And, right. and what, what I learned was that, that we are, 
you know, we're whole people, right? I mean, so my faith had to come into play. My background had to come into play to who I am and be authentic. And Anointing for Business was a great book to help me understand how how that all worked together. And so that was very found, foundational and helpful to me and just my growth, you know, and, and how this all looks. For so, so those are probably, you know, like you said, there's tons of books on my shelf behind me and in front of me even. It was kind of hard to think about, which, you know, but at the same time, those are the ones that I think have, at least at this season of my life, have played the biggest role. Hmm. Well, with the book now having been out for several months, you think about your, your coaching practice and other things down the road. What's ahead for you that uh, you're working toward that you're excited about and, and are in a position to share today? Yeah, absolutely. So just recently, I launched my own podcast called the Magnetic Leadership Podcast uh, that, that right now I'm walking through these these essential actions kind of in an overview conversational style, but I'm going to be interviewing leaders who model these and emulate these as time goes on. Excellent. Um, I'm super excited about that. Uh, also, uh, you know, as part of this, you know, I always had in my vision was to help leaders really implement. So I'm coaching clients through the content already, but also mm-hmm. looking to develop more of a group coaching and membership uh, model here, at the, moving okay. into the the fall of 2021 here and, and beyond. Because I want to, I want to train people and I want to be there to support them, but I also want to connect them because there's so many mm-hmm. leaders. We can often feel like we're on island, uh, at least of a philosophy or mm-hmm. do people get where I'm, where, you know, my struggles, my challenges. And, and I think the higher leaders often get in organizations, the lonelier can be. And, but I think there's a lot of great leaders out there that, that want to be better, that they want to be those high quality leaders that are going to bring transformation to their their homes, their their businesses, their communities, and and ultimately, you know, maybe even globally, depending on what, what opportunities they have. So those are the things that are that are in the works and, and soon to be released so that I can help foster that kind of a leadership community that also, it, it's not just about leadership, it's also about the life of the leader, because I mm-hmm. think that that's so vital is, you know, your leadership affects your life and your life affects your leadership. That There's just a, a synergy back and forth there. And it's because we're holistic people. Well, the book, again, is called The Magnetic Leader, 18 Essential Actions of Leaders People Love to Follow by Chris McClure. His first book, maybe not his last, he used to hate reading, and now he's an author, and he loves reading. (laughs) Chris, thank you so much for being here. Love the book. I recommend everybody pick it up where you buy your favorite books today. Chris, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate the time on here. As always, if you'd like to connect with Chris online, follow up on any of the resources he mentioned, or dig more deeply into today's episode, you can do that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 390 for episode 390. And as I make my way visiting companies both in person and virtually to present half and full day personal and professional development workshops, as well as leading and spearheading in-house company book clubs, I'd love to make room on my calendar for you and your team. To follow up and find out more, you can reach out to me directly, contact at readtoleadbook.com. That's contact at readtoleadbook.com. Hey, thanks for joining me for this conversation with Chris McClure. Next time on the show, we'll be sitting down with Ramsey Solutions' Christy Wright to talk about her brand new book. I hope to see you next time. Until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.